0: gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: Thanks to Shudder for supporting the Paracast. Shudder is a premium streaming video service from AMC Networks featuring a great selection of thrillers, horror, and suspense. Try Shudder free for 30 days by visiting shudder.com. Use the promo code PARACAST. In the last few months over here at the PowerCast with Gina Randall, we've been bringing on guests that we haven't had before. So, Randall brought to my attention Cheryl Costa, who does an article called New York Skies for the Syracuse New Times. Cheryl becomes one of the rare people to do a UFO column for a newspaper. Now, Cheryl, I wanted to ask you first, the Syracuse New Times, is that like the Phoenix New Times, a weekly?
2: Yeah, it is. It's a weekly. In fact, um, very similar. Yes.
1: I'll tell you, the New Times in Phoenix has done exposés that the Arizona Republic would never touch. Hard hitting. How did you get this gig?
2: Well, okay, I was working for a different newspaper. I had just retired out of 32 years at Lockheed Merton. And I was sort of working on my second career in journalism. Okay, Now, to say that doesn't mean I just got into journalism five years ago. No, um, uh, I've been around the edges. I was an industrial film producer for um, the early version of my career was at IBM Federal Systems, which got bought by Lockheed. But uh, I used to make industrial movies, made about 70 of them. And I produced a cable television program in uh, 1991, 1992. It was supposed to be a six-episode summer replacement program. And I did it on American Witchcraft and Shamanism. Uh, There was a little 400-word AP story went out about it. And suddenly there was a feeding frenzy. And I got a call from the station. We weren't even on the cable system yet. And we got a call from the TV station saying, um, ABC and CBS News are sitting here in the lobby. And they want to talk to the witches. And that launched in. And we ended up doing, producing uh, 70 episodes of the program. It was supposed to be a six-episode summer replacement, you know. We did over 80, I think it was close to 88, almost 90 domestic and international interviews over a period of two years that we were doing the show quite literally changed the face of, of the craft. In fact, the, the, the original people who produced Charm came to talk to us. We had uh, Entertainment Tonight come and talk to us and did a big piece on Entertainment Tonight. Larry King had us on the night our show debuted. Uh, it was um, a pretty rowdy period. and I was in my 40s and the host of my show was 25 and uh, she quite literally had the world looking at her because she was the face of American Witchcraft at the time. I've been around the media thing. I've been a talk show host at FM radio station in D.C. and uh, that morning zoo show, a couple of those things parallel to my corporate job at Lockheed. People say, hey, Cheryl, you've had two lifetimes going here. And I said, yeah, works out that way. I'll tell you, this is just interesting just talking about your background
1: before we get into the UFOs. I used to know a Wiccan by the name of Dr. Leo Lewis Martello.
2: I've heard of him, but I don't know
1: him. I knew him back in the 70s. And we'd met him at one time. He was an interesting character. And then we knew another Wiccan, Penny Novak, from Philadelphia. And the reason I mentioned her is because she was a great woman who one time did a tarot card reading on me when I was trying to find my way out of a business deal that didn't go right. I had a business partner who had different priorities than I did. And she gave me a reading. Suggesting that this is in Pennsylvania, I'd be plying my trade in New York, plying my trade. Now, the interesting thing about this is that while she was doing this, I guess she was drawing energy from me because I fell asleep on her couch. That happens. That happens. Right. And then about two hours later, I get up. We were doing typesetting as part of our services. And I went to New York and did typesetting to earn a living. So I was plying my trade. Not because she said so, it's just how the circumstances changed. I was trying to decide what I should do with the rest of my life and that kept me going through the second phase. I'm on the third phase now. That's another story.
2: Okay, let's go back to UFOs a minute. I went to work for a newspaper and I was in the technical department. I was part of the electronics shop that helped support the equipment. There's breakdowns on the evenings of production. And uh, we were also responsible for producing all the printing plates. When I first started out, I maybe produced maybe 200 plates in the evening. By the time I was laid off three years later, uh, we were producing probably 600 printing plates a night because they they took on the physical printing of about 10 additional newspapers. So it was quite an operation. But the bottom line was back on November 5th, 2012, We had just started up the 700-ton Swiss press and it was running. And all we had to do was sit back and wait for 90 minutes for the morning morning newspaper to be all printed. And I was just sitting there looking on, I had my terminal up. I had CNN.com up. There was a little sidebar story. Now, I've been around UFOs. I call myself a UFO bystander. So, I mean, I had my first experience when I was 12. You know, I had my second major experience when I was 18. When I was in the service. Over the years, my mother and I both read everything we could get our hands on, but I really wasn't involved with anything. Okay. And then what happened was a little sidebar article on CNN.com that said UFOs have been declining since the 1980s. Maybe they were always just an urban legend. And I looked at that and I said, wait a minute, this sounds like misinformation. This sounds like these aren't the droids you want, kind of thing, you know? For the first time in my life, I went out to the National UFO Reporting Center, got on the web, went there, and I pulled up their year-end summary numbers and just dropped them into a little spreadsheet from like 1980 up to like 2012. And I plotted the graph, and it went up like a rocket. And I said, what memo didn't the UFOs get? I was just finishing up an entertainment writing degree. Essentially, it's a cousin to a journalism degree. My 40 years effort of trying to get a bachelor's degree, I finally kind of brought it all together. I started reading some of the UFO reports. And, you know, people tell you, oh, they're kooks and nuts that report these things, you know. And I get reading them and I found that 90% of them were people just trying to get it off their chest. They, They saw something extraordinary and they felt it was their duty to report it. I started taking the reports and writing them up a little bit, you know. Could I do like a regular newspaper reporter, completely vet the thing? No, I couldn't do that. OK, I don't know who it is, you know, who, what, when, where, why. I can't tell you why. Otherwise, I'd be getting a Nobel Prize. I can't tell you who because the information's planted. So, I, you know, you can't out somebody. But I could tell you what, when and where. So if I read a report on National UFO Reporting Center that said me and my girlfriend were sitting on the hood of my car watching the sky and we saw this thing, da, 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 da. Uh, OK, my story might read. Bob and Susie were on the hood of his 57 Chevy watching the sky. You know, I, I would tell the story that way. I mean, never let the facts get in the way of a good story, you know, and because it was an entertainment type thing, I got away with it. I went to 13 editors up here in uh, upstate New York. I got escorted out of the office. I got, um, uh, somebody called security on me and they escorted me to the door. Uh, I think my favorite response was one night editor. She she looked up at me and said to me, what brand of tinfoil do you wear, Cheryl? You know? And uh, I was getting pretty depressed about it. I finally reached out to a guy by the name of Larry Dietrich. Now, he had been a copy editor at the newspaper I worked at. And, uh, uh, again, with the, all these layoffs and things, he went, he went off to uh, a different newspaper, became the editor in chief. So I went over to Larry and he said, let's have a cup of coffee and talk first before I take a look at your proposal. I said, fine. So he talked to me and this guy seemed to have read a lot of the same stuff. And I'm talking the old school writings, you know, uh, uh Frank Edwards, guys like that, you know? So I said, all right, I told him, we talked about it for about 25, 30 minutes. and then uh, he said, show me your slides. I had five pieces of paper. I tossed them up at him. He says, okay, we'll take a crack at it. We'll We're gonna to take
1: a it. crack at these announcements and then we'll be back. So what can I say, neighbors? The excitement is just beginning. We've got a lot more of this kind of stuff to come, so stay with us. Okay, Cheryl Costa joins us with Gina Randall. You're in the Paracast.
3: That's the swag from the Paracast. You go to store.theparacast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour.
4: Trading involves financial risk. and is not suitable for all investors.
5: Marijuana has unleashed a green gold rush across our nation. It's creating $10.8 billion in new wealth a year. And every day, it's transforming more and more Americans into millionaires. Former Speaker of the House John Boehner reveals how you could become one of them. Join him online for the American Cannabis Summit. Attendance is 100% free, but space is limited. Join online at www.acs2018.com. John Boehner and an esteemed panel will reveal which cannabis stocks are primed to deliver life-changing windfalls. Plus, they will show you how to become a cannabis angel investor, backing the hottest startups before they potentially become worth billions of dollars.
6: To join the American Cannabis Summit, visit ACS2018.com or text JOIN to 76280. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Text JOIN to 76280. Text JOIN to
7: 76280 now.
0: we'd like to hear from you if you have a comment or question about the paracast send it to news at theparacast.com that's news at Paracast.com. and don't forget to visit our famous paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com oh this could be a fun show cheryl costa is a firecracker just
1: get on there and talk some mile of these things that were going on in her life and how she got involved in the ufos she writes the ufo column for the syracuse new times and it sounds like a pretty good gig we'll get into some of the interesting stories but you were in the middle of a tale tell us more
2: okay what happened was he said we'll try you out for a month now for your millennials and your audience aren't going to get this but anybody who's seen the princess bride knows the term that one of the guys said that the dread pirate robert said well you did a good job today i'll most likely kill you in the morning kind of thing right by the way the guy who
1: wrote that was a william goldman yes died recently this is one of the greatest films of its type ever done rob reiner directed william goldman wrote the original story and the screenplay and there
2: are so many wonderful lines in that film Oh, I read, I, I read the original paper back on it back in the mid-70s when I was in the Navy. I was on deployment, and that, that book got beat to hell because it was a hot fairy tale, you know, and everybody was reading it on the ship. Well, the bottom line was uh, he said, I'll try you off for a month, and if we don't like you, we'll dump you. I said, okay. So I published like five articles with him. And I get a phone call from. Him. She says Cheryl, "Come on over, we need to talk." I'm going. Oh, that's it. It's over with, you know. And I get over there. I'm about ten minutes late getting in because the parking in their lot they was all torn up for repaving and everything. I, I walk into the meeting. There's like ten people around this big conference table. And Larry looks over at me and says, "There's our rock star." And I looked over at him. I says, "What are you talking about, Larry?" He says, "Your column." You're drawing more page views than all of our. This is on the web edition, obviously. More page views than all of our columnists combined, and it'd only been on a month. So these days, I'm I'm read right in something like 106 countries. Uh, you know, who thought in a little weekly newspaper in upstate New York you would touch the planet, literally?
10: Yeah, this is now what six
2: years later, uh, five and a half years later. In fact, yeah. uh, at the five-year point, they uh, decided to. I had had my book, my co author and I, uh, Linda Miller Costa, and I published the book UFO Sightings Desk Reference back in uh, March of 2017. New York Times took it seriously and said, My God, somebody did the science. Actually, the line that the Pulitzer Prize reporter used on his editors was Here's a two and a half pound book about UFO statistics. Some old ladies in Syracuse did the science. And they did this huge piece on us in Science Magazine in the New
10: York Times. And that quite literally put Linda and me on the map. It's amazing. Right. I've heard of that. It does sound absolutely fantastic. It it sounds kind of innocuous at first. But when you get talking, tell us a little bit more about that book and exactly what it is so people understand. All right. Well, what we did was
2: we took all the data. This is from, uh, let me go back a little bit. Back in 2015, I had a professor come to me and say, you write about New York. You seem to have county data for sightings. I need county data for this particular area of the Hudson Valley. And uh, I said, boy, that's a tall order. Neither database really collects it. Uh, National UFO Reporting Center didn't collect county data at all. And MUFON did, but it was dependent upon the person making the report. And half of them don't even know what town they're in, let alone put their county in there. So I did Since New York state is my beat. I went ahead and collected all the data for New York state and had some numbers in charge. And I was showing them at the international UFO Congress. Uh, this got this guy's attention. So we, Got some additional information, did the entire state. I was sharing the information online with upstate New York UFO investigators and real old school guys were looking at this stuff. And what was happening is because now I had county data in there, we were seeing cluster patterns where we never, never knew they were. Give you an example. We all knew there was a huge cluster pattern in erie new york area out back niagara falls you know and everybody called it the lake erie effect what we didn't know was there was almost as many sightings in monroe county essentially the rochester area which they were all saying my god cheryl you've discovered a lake ontario effect so linda and i were sitting down over at our pub staring across a couple of pints at each other and this is in october 2015 and uh we said look at all the cool stuff we discovered here in New York state. What would happen if we did the whole country? And we just sat there and stared at each other. Like, I don't know about this. You know, (laughs) we said, okay, let's try it. Now here's the deal. You got to understand Linda and I had our careers in Washington DC for the most part. Okay. We were both what they call beltway bandits. We were uh, government contractors. I worked for Lockheed Lockheed headquarters and Linda worked for a major company that supplies, librarians to the research offices of various government agencies okay she was the head librarian for the environmental protection agency for 14 years okay so uh you get she's the smart scientist of the two of us by the way she's got the science degrees me i've got an arts and entertainment degree i have a top hat and a cane she's got the science background so what we decided to do was download all the national ufo reporting center from 2001 to 2015 on the morning of January first, 2016. Okay. You wouldn't believe the bandwidth that's available on New Year's Day morning. <laughs> Nobody's on, you know, it's great. So we had it all we had all 50 states in the DC down downloaded in under three hours. Back when we did the New York State stuff, we figured out what we weren't doing right. And because we were both the former defense contractors or government contractors, we had written process procedures. If you're cleaning up a database, do this first, do this second, do this third. So we actually had a written procedure. This is how you do it. New York state took me six months back in 2015. Okay. When we did it in the book, we did all 50 states in about four months, five months. Okay. And then we started on the MUFON data. And we did all that in about two months because we really got smart. If I had to do it now, I could probably do the entire United States from both databases probably in about two months because I, we really know what we're doing now. And that's how we put it, the book together. Now, Linda, when we proposed the book, she was the brains behind it. She says, one, there's not going to be any cute little aliens on the cover. Two, it's going to look like a census report. And she knew how to do that. And three, it's going to be data. It's going to be scientific data, 21st century data. 2001 to 2015, okay? Because most UFO books, when you think about them, a lot of the UFO books out there were always about a crash here or a crash there. It sounded like an FM radio station. The best UFO crashes from the 50s, 60s, and 70s, you know? And that was the feeling and theme of a lot of the UFO books out there. Everybody was telling stories. Nobody was publishing data. So when the book came out, in fact, we knew knew something, we hit a, a nerve when we reached out to when uh, we uploaded the stuff to Amazon published they were our publisher and normally you, you get your sample book you know usually within 48 hours to kind of you know proof it or you know technical mistakes and things like that and that was unusual the next thing we know uh, when we put up our final version of the thing um, when it came online with that final version they had already sold ads to Google and to um Barnes Noble dot com to advertise the book. We'll
1: talk more about the book and its success. Cheryl Costa, Gene Steinberg, Jay Randall Murphy,
10: you're in the Paracast.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
12: Hear that? That's the sound of a house being trashed while a gang of thieves ransack the place. And what they don't steal will be destroyed this year.
13: Resolve not to be the next victim of a break-in. Go to fake tv.com and discover a device that creates the illusion someone inside is watching TV even when you're miles away. Security is a mindset, and fake tv should be part of your security solution. Be vigilant, but not fearful. fake tv.com
14: USA Radio News. President Trump is happy after federal judge rules that Obamacare violates the Constitution. Great
7: ruling for our country. We'll be able to get great health care. We'll sit down with the Democrats if the Supreme Court opens. We'll be uh, sitting down with the Democrats and we will get great health care for our people. Let's say, repeal and replace handled a little bit differently, but it was a big, big victory by a highly respected judge.
14: The president delivering those remarks after he made an unannounced visit to Arlington National Cemetery on Saturday. The family of a seven-year-old Guatemalan girl who was killed in Border Patrol custody is seeking answers and a transparent investigation into the girl's death. The family was trying to sneak into the country illegally when they were detained by Border Patrol agents, and President Trump sent out a tweet today saying that Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke would be stepping down at the end of the year. You're listening to USA Radio News. Got an old car?
15: You can donate it, whether it's running or not, to the United Breast Cancer Foundation and save a life. They'll even come and pick it up for free. The United Breast Cancer Foundation has saved hundreds of women's lives through their free or low-cost breast screen exams. But now they need your help. The United Breast Cancer Foundation wants to save more lives through early detection by offering women free or low-cost breast screening exams. And donating your old car, SUV, or truck, whether it's running or not, helps pay for them. Plus, you get a charitable tax deduction. Help the United Breast Cancer Foundation save lives by donating your old car, SUV, or truck. Call now for free pickup. 800-280-2144. 800-280-2144, 800-280-2144. Call right now. That number again is 800-280-2144
12: this is Jerome Clark, author
9: of the UFO Encyclopedia and other books. You're listening to the
1: Paracast. Let's just cut to the chase here. UFO books traditionally do not sell very well, so you got to consider yourself special here, right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've had a, a number of UFO authors that, you know, told me they sold 100 books, maybe 300 books if they were lucky. Um, I can say this we've sold considerably more than they have.
10: That's fabulous. So, how many cases are covered in this book?
2: We don't cover cases. All we did was add up the numbers.
10: Numbers then.
2: How many? Numbers. Like, yeah. Uh, what do okay. you do? How in many? 2015
10: data book? points. Okay.
2: The press quoted us quoted us at a hundred and twenty one thousand. The number is one hundred and twenty one thousand four hundred thirty seven. OK, and then we rank the states individually and we rank the
10: counties within those states individually. That's and really great. Like, now, is there an electronic version of this so that people can search it? No. Oh, that's a shame.
2: No, 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 no. You don't understand. You wouldn't believe the amount of people who have reached out and wanted to buy the database, scientists that were asking for it and everything. And the problem was, uh, my attorney looked at it. We had developed certain algorithms. It's not just pure data. It's not just a pure database. In fact, the only thing in the database is the what, when, and where information and city and county, that kind of thing. Um, We took the story information out of the data. We didn't need it. Okay, we didn't want it. Okay. We kept it only there on the first pass of cleaning up to make sure we got time and dates information. Then we erased that column. We didn't care about that. We just wanted what, when, and where. Okay. So our attorney looked at it and he saw the algorithms we had built into our database to generate other information from the basic stuff. And he says, You got too much proprietary stuff here. You are not sharing this electronically. It's going to get stolen. So we haven't. We pub- In fact, I've had a lot of hate mail from people saying, this is the 21st century. Why didn't you publish it electronically? You know, Yeah, leave it hate- to
10: the lawyers to screw things up. <laughs> no, 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 no. no, Wait a minute. Think about I this mean, a minute. Well, yeah. I mean, think about it, how much benefit it might be to researchers to have a searchable version of it. The problem is it was intended to be paper. I'll tell
2: you why. I've had friends of mine tell me, I'm a, I'm a published playwright. Okay. And I've had people say to me, well, Cheryl, you should be doing writing your plays on your pad there, you know? And I said, you know, I've got four dead cell phones sitting up in a box in my attic. Okay. That will probably never be re energized again. Okay. And the information that's on them, photos, all that stuff is gone. They're still finding Beethoven's work or Bach's work in people's attics in Germany because they're on paper librarians have been concerned about this for a while since the middle 90s to about now this is going to be the age of the lost archives because all this stuff is electronic and given the
10: wrong kind of disaster it's gone well at least you've got it out there somehow there's nothing wrong with having some hard copy that's for sure now so so that's absolutely fantastic that's going to give our listeners an idea of the kind of depth that you put into the kind of work that you do so now getting back to your work with the syracuse new times let's carry on from there so they hired you on and it's six almost six years later and you've got a radio show and you're now known in uh, countries around the world for the kind of work that you do which i have to add is definitely worthy of checking out and we've got a link on our forum For anyone at the forum and uh, for our listeners to check out, go check it out. The interesting thing with the New Times was that they waited
2: until well after all of the press hoo-ha that generated around the book. The article for the New York Times came out online on the 24th of April, 2017. The print version was out there on the street on the uh, 15th. And what was interesting was the next morning, I get a phone call from the Times London. And I had just recently retired. I thought I was going to be coasting, you know, suddenly I'm keeping up. It's taking me eight hours a day to keep up with the interviews. And I would never used Skype before the 15th of April. I literally had an engineer from a major television station talk me through how to install it over the phone so they could do an interview with me. You know, so uh, it's it was it's been a very evolving and growth process for me. The other reason we don't have the electronic out there, we're still doing the research with it. And the attitude was, uh, don't trump yourself. Don't don't give the data away to everybody and then not have anything to write about in your column. So you know, I'm still doing serious research with the with the data, not just the numbers. OK, uh, I've got a couple of other people who are like MUFON investigators and like that who have taken the book. And done some serious, even though it wasn't electronic and it wasn't really easy, they they were able to do research on their own for their area.
10: That sounds fabulous. So you said that you had your first sighting or experience at age 12. And then again, uh, 18 while you were in the service. Can we back up a little bit and sure. hear how those went?
2: Okay, 1965, it was like... Um, August, about three weeks before school started up again, I was about 12. We were visiting a, a, an uncle and aunt uh, up in the farming area, up in Southern New York. And uh, they, they were up on a hill where their farm was. And it was a lovely late August afternoon, clear blue sky as far as you could see. We're coming down off the hill. It was a dirt road. My mother has my father pull the car off the road. We stopped and she pointed out at this ball sitting out there in a the Western sky, parked out there like a rock. Give you an idea how big it was. Hold your arm out. Look at your little fingernail. That's about how big it was. And it just sat there. And my mom said, it might be something the Air Force is doing. It might be a weather balloon. Uh, NASA was only five years old at that point. And she says, might be something NASA is doing. It might be people from another world. And this is the first time I'd ever heard my mother talk like that. We talked about it and then we got back on the road and got down to the bottom of the hill and turned left onto the state, you know, the state tar road. And, um, I crawled up in the back window. My brother and sisters were toddlers. So I crawled up into the back window of that Chevy Impala and just sat there and watched that thing as we were driving home because we were kind of driving East. And when that thing decided to leave, you know how they show star, uh, starships in the movies when they, they go into warp, it goes gone kind of thing. Right. That's what happened with this thing.
10: Well, I was no balloon, obviously, then.
2: No, no. And that changed me. That changed me for life. And I knew this stuff was real at that point. This 12-year-old knew it was real. So what happened was mom and I started sharing, getting books at the library and sharing it and reading it and everything. Our copy of uh, Eric Von Danegan's Chariot of the Gods, uh, she dog-eared on the top of the pages. I dog-eared on the bottom of the pages. Our copy was literally destroyed because of what we were looking at and taking notes and things sharing it with relatives having arguments with ants over coffee it was fun that was pretty much it and we shared all this stuff when i got in the air force i volunteered for vietnam i was over in vietnam i was in cameron bay vietnam which is uh, on the uh, middle coast of south vietnam at the time and we were essentially out on it's almost like virginia beach it was almost like a big sand dune cameron is it's a peninsula and it's all sand So we didn't go through jungle survival school. We went through desert survival school. It was strange. So we're sitting there. The light pollution was nil. So this friend of mine and I had left the barracks. It was Christmas Eve, 1971. We were about 11 o'clock, 1130 actually. We were walking towards the base chapel to go to midnight mass for something to do for Christmas. You know, stay with the tradition, so to speak. And we looked up in the sky and we both saw this streak going across the sky. and then. The attitude was, oh, it must be a jet. And then it stopped. And Tom looks at me and says, you know, jets don't stop like that. Maybe it's a helicopter. I said, yeah, but helicopters don't fly that fast. And then it starts dancing around like a fairy up there in the western sky. And then gone. And neither one of us had our minds at midnight mass when we got there. And amazingly enough, I was as paranoid as anyone else. I never spoke of it until about 15 years ago myself.
10: That's a really good sighting, and it's very, you, of course, you've been in ufology now for quite a number of years, so you know that that kind of a sighting is fairly uh, frequent. They're, they're distant objects often seen at night that perform those kind of radical maneuvers. That's how you know it's not simply a falling star or a meteor.
1: Yeah. We've got more to come with Cheryl, Gene, and Randall. You're in. The
10: Paracast. Yeah.
18: Take Jake's advice. Give federal tax management a phone call. If they help me, they can help anybody. Call the federal tax management hotline now. 800 503 8625. 800 503 8625.
12: 800 503 8625. Anytime, any place, anywhere, radio remains the most intimate of all forms of media. At home, at work, in the car, on smartphones. Over 90% of consumers still listen to radio every week. That makes choosing radio as a Place to advertise your business. One of the best decisions you can make. Email advertise at gcnlive.com and partner up with an experienced GCN representative. Advertise at gcnlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. Hi, this is James Fox from Chasing UFOs. You're listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of Paranormal Radio.
10: Let's proceed with Cheryl Costa, Randall. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, around Christmas time, you know, maybe it was some transport from hell coming into the atmosphere and, uh, you know, getting ready to do some hocus-pocus on people. And that makes a nice segue into one of your articles, Fallen Angels, Demonic Entities Encountering Extraterrestrial Xenophobia. So uh, this fits in with some of your statistics, I believe. Where, uh, the, what is it, around 3% or something think that UFOs are some form of demonic manifestation? Something like that. We're not sure of the real number, but we've got we've got things
2: that sort of point at that number. Yeah, something like that. There's a lot of people who have this idea that it is demonic. That's why I called the article about xenophobia, because we have a lot of people. I hear people all the time, oh, I want to meet an alien, you know, and, I say, and Why? well, I, I want to learn all these great and wonderful things, you know? And I said, yeah, but you, you don't like the gay people, you know, you know, you should talk to them because they're, <laughs> they're like from another planet too. You know, that's the point. We have a big problem in our culture of not liking the other somebody, some other. Okay. And we have a real big problem with that. I didn't work specifically as my job, but I worked very closely with the diversity organization in Lockheed Martin. And I brought about the uh, first LGBTQ Employee Support Group in the Corp in Lockheed Martin back in 2002. And in 2003, it was, a 13, it was voted the best group in the country by the uh, Out and Equal Workplace Summit. And it was a group myself and another lady founded. So, you know, I was into this diversity concept and the more I got thinking about it when I wrote this article was you know, we have a diversity problem here, I'll, you know, and the other thing you hear, you hear people say, oh yeah, we can't wait to meet the Palladians and the greys and we don't want to meet those evil reptilians. We don't even know who these folks are yet. Who, how do we know that the reptilians aren't our pals? So, it's, uh, I get very cranky when I hear people already dissing somebody that we have not met yet and haven't had a chance to meet and evaluate.
10: Well, that makes perfect sense. And you know, we really need to be evaluated on the quality of our work and not necessarily beliefs or lifestyles that aren't related to it. Well, there's a psychological aspect. Uh, we've been led to believe from our, you know, we have
2: this. As mammals, we have this natural archetype aversion to snakes. Okay. A lot of people equate the uh, reptilians with snakes, you know. And of course, then there is, of course, there was, a, as they say, a snake in the uh, snake or a dragon in the Garden of Eden, you know. So we've had this kind of programmed into us that uh, the scaly guys are our friend. And we don't know that. We do not know that. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm more hesitant about the grays because most people I've ever talked to who are experiencers have been touched by those guys. Well, they're, they're taking people without their bloody permission, you know? And so, you know, I, that's why I wrote the article uh, that uh, I said, guys, we really need to step back, take a deep breath and start stop labeling people we haven't met yet.
10: Well, that, that's a pretty healthy attitude. You must be also pleased with the shift in the media's attitude uh, about UFOs that came along with this to the Stars Academy thing in the New York Times expose. So uh, you were actually in this well before that came out. But uh, how has that affected you? Oh, wait a
2: minute. Okay. First thing I got to I got to dispel that myth. All right. When I started writing my column, I had email from other columnists and reporters in town telling me I just shot my career in the head by writing this silly, kook, uh, kook-based, conspiracy-based, uh, you know, subject matter. That's the kind of mail I got initially. Okay, um, but something very significant in January of 2017. The up and down, you got to remember the New York Times never said anything nice about UFOs from 1947 and since. And back in '68, when the Condon Report, they were the first ones to publish key passages of books book saying it's kooks, crackpots and we have, should not have anything to do with this. Okay. And then in January of 2017, the CIA did like a little mini disclosure and released a whole bunch of documents from the 40s and early 50s. And here they were doing the same kind of research Linda and I were doing. Okay. And I think that got some, that sobered a few people up at the New York times. So two months later here, two or three months later, here comes our book and it blew their socks off down there in the editorial office. And they quite literally put a headline on it. People are seeing UFOs everywhere. And this book proves it. That was the headline. So what happens eight months after our book comes out? A big, huge story revealed by the New York Times and Politico that the, that the Pentagon had this uh, aviation threat program going, you know, and blew the whole lid off that thing. So 2017 was a banner year for all of this stuff in the press. But well, here's the problem. The subject matter of UFOs has been couched with, again, the cooks and nuts flavor for so long that most journalists didn't have an understanding of it. So when all that stuff came out during that eight to 10 day news cycle back in December of 2017, you could sit there and watch the morning news things and all the pundit commentators were struggling to talk about it in a meaningful way because they didn't know anything about the topic matter. They were not read on it. They didn't know anything. That's a keen observation. Okay, and when I reached out and a half a dozen other experts reached out to media people and say, hey, I'm your regional expert. You know, I can give you a really good story. They again, the local TV stations treated me kooks and nuts. When our book came out, I reached out to over 80 news organizations in the principal cities of the top 15 states in the country for UFO sightings. And all I got was the sound of silence and crickets. One newspaper took a chance on us. And it was funny, they had a freelance write the article. This was for the um, Seattle Intelligencer. Guy wrote the article. We did a really great interview over the phone. Plus, he had information about California. He turned, besides publishing in the Seattle paper his story. He published a California version of the same story, tuned that, and it was published in the online edition of the San Francisco Chronicle. Well, a month before, I had approached the science editors at the San Francisco Chronicle, and his email to me was, I'll pass. I said, can you tell me why you're passing on the greatest story never told? He says, oh, the quote, the issue of UFOs was settled, settled long ago. (laughs) <laughs> oh, really Yeah, you know, we're talking yeah. 1968 is what they're thinking about, you know? Uh-huh. So, and but then it turns, it's a different group crew of editors that publish in the online edition. And I get a phone call. I didn't know it published in SF gate. And I get a phone call a little later that day. From KABC in Los Angeles saying, hey, do you know your book set uh, and the revelations from your book has set the Internet on fire out here? And I said, what what was the deal? And essentially what it really boiled down to is California's number one, rah, 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 you know, mm-hmm. um, but 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 it fell off the news cycle very quickly. A lot. I approached a lot of. I went back to all these other news organizations. I had a mailing list. I said, "Hey, we just had this great story in the New York Times. Look what's going on in California. I can give you a really great regional story with your local stats." And only a sh- only W. Um, uh, it's uh, uh, WGN in Chicago. By the call me. Most of the other interviews I was getting were from um, uh, foreign newspapers and foreign television.
10: It's right, weird. famous everywhere else but home.
2: Exactly. So recently we've got the 2016, 2017 numbers in the database now. So I reached out here in New York State. Uh, New York State moved up from number six to number four. So I reached out to the news editors, uh, news, okay, news, uh, how do I say this? News directors at TV stations. And newspaper editors at newspapers in the, princip- the eight principal cities here in New York State. And we're not talking New York City. We're talking Albany, uh, Rochester, Buffalo, Syracuse, like this. And I reached out to them and said, I can give you a great story about th- the UFO sightings in this state. Here's my credentials. I know what I'm talking about. Crickets. So I got one editor to sit down and talk to me on the phone, and he told me, well, you guys come to us without a shred of evidence. I said, what do you need for a shred? What kind of evidence do you need? A cracked up a cracked up. Uh, alien craft in the mall parking lot with uh, dead, bleeding uh, aliens on the pavement. Is that what you need? What is it you need when you say, you know, what if I've got the shred of evidence, but you won't even look at it because you got a preconceived idea that I don't have anything viable? I said, I've got numbers. These numbers don't lie,
1: guy. And here's a special last-minute announcement. Cheryl will be on after the Paracast this week. After the Paracast is an exclusive feature of the Paracast Plus. For more information, go to plus.theparacast.com. Cheryl Costa writes the UFO column for the Syracuse New Times. More to come with Cheryl. Randall and Gene, you're in the Paracast.
10: Paracast.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNLive.com today.
0: Attack of the Rockoids has been well received by critics and readers alike. It's a thrill a minute story you'll never forget. Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Gene Steinberg.
1: You know, with Cheryl, we can just be flies in the wall. Just say, go ahead and talk, and we'll sit back and we'll listen and enjoy. Go
2: ahead. Sorry if I talk too much. <laughs> and that's why you're here. Okay, so what I did was I reached out recently, and this is back about two months ago, actually, just before school started for this, this fall semester. I reached out to six journalism schools here in upstate New York. And when I reached out to the, uh, the journalism schools, uh, I got one of them, State University of New York at Albany, took me up on it and said, Okay, uh, you know, we'll have you come talk to a couple of classes. Well, I blew their socks off, so I was up there. They were going to put me up for a class, uh, put
10: me up overnight. Yeah, you were just telling us about how uh, you were doing some lectures, and um, I think it was at a college. Yeah,
2: State University in New York, at Albany's School of Journalism. That's the big school for for within the state system. The professor had me there. Told me he was very sympathetic. His belief was. He's not only a professor, but he's also a senior editor at a newspaper there in Albany. And he said, I think we have, we as journalists have violated our trust with the American people to honestly report this topic matter. Okay. And I, I couldn't agree more. So he had me come and present to. To uh, the I was going to present to one of his classes, and uh, and then present the next day to uh, an associate professor's uh, class as well. I blew the socks off so well in the first class, he dragged me into two more classes that later that day, and the next morning I was in with the other professor, and I, I blew their socks off uh, with the information I put up, and the, the kind of presentation I gave was less. Numbers. It was more of a a, a briefing for journalists. I mean, imagine if I presented information sort of like Ancient Aliens, but to an audience that's never seen Ancient Aliens. And all those students, out of almost three hundred students that I talked to over two days, I asked them, "Here, watch Ancient Aliens." Only one hand went up in two days. Okay, hmm. interesting. So, that, so that's kind of what I presented. And the idea was to start influencing them. And I flat out told them, I said, you know, you guys are the ones that are going to have to deal with disclosure. It's coming, folks. You are the ones that are going to have to write about it. And you should take some time and read a few key books. I put them onto a couple of key books. One of them was Richard Dolan's uh, book there, AD, about, you know, after disclosure. And I put them onto some books. And I said, these are worthy of your time. And if you don't want to buy them, get them through interlibrary loan here at the university. It's cheap, doesn't cost you anything, and you can see the book without having to buy it. And uh, that was the context. And um, it was very well received. Well, that has rolled up. I may be doing some more journalism schools here shortly. Uh, I've already got a conversation going here at Syracuse University. I don't know if they're going to pick me up, but they're talking to me in earnest. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see where this goes. But the idea was to influence some of these new journalists coming along that uh, don't buy into this whole, the CIA Kool-Aid, this stuff is nuts and kooks. It's not. There's a lot going on here.
10: Right. And we've also got out there uh, in the journalism field, we've got Leslie Kane, of course, who's made some real inroads that way for responsible journalism. Uh, or at least reasonably responsible journalism. Uh, she's made a very serious effort to get in there and cover it uh, fairly and, and as objectively as possible. So I think the trend is good. Can you tell us a bit more about the kind of information that you're able to extrapolate out from the data sets? So, for example, you have the, the what and wh- and where. What other things do you get out of that to talk about for people?
2: Well, it's I, I. What we get, what we went in there with is what when and where. Okay, so we 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 know the shape. We know the date and time. Usually, um, there's a problem with Mufon data that if you don't enter a time, it defaults to midnight. So it kind of skews the data a little bit. Um, we have the city location except for about 3.8% of the sightings, and do that against 121,000 sightings, and and you can see how big a number it is, people either leave it blank, or they write in there, I'm afraid to tell you, my mother told me not to tell you, the sheriff told me not to tell you, Uh, uh, I'm afraid everybody in my little farming town will know it was me that registered it, this is the paranoia that was out there, so um, 3.8% of the sightings don't have a city associated. So when we did the county information, we had to establish an unknown county for every single state in the union to, to drop those unspecified cities into, okay? Um, most people, the first thing they do is, um, most people are, uh, and it's probably a function of our society of, you know, um, our society tends to be one of these, uh, gotta have the mega thing. You know, it's gotta have the big one, you know, the one with the best rating. Look at Trump. Oh, I gotta have good ratings. Right. And, um, I tell people when you're doing re- UFO research, don't get seduced by the numbers. Okay. Um, Give you an example. You want to go look at a sphere. You want to go look at a circle of lights. They are predominant in almost every state. It moves up and down with that and triangles and whatever, you know. But if you want to see the real secret sauce, you go down and you look at the sightings that maybe over fifteen year over the fifteen year period or the last seventeen year period there was less than two thousand sightings. They're all, in fact, if you put them on the graph with all the sightings above them, the lines up here, and this almost this little flat line down at the bottom of the graph. This is not in my book. This is new stuff we're doing as forensic research using our data for forensic research. By the way, there's a TV program in the works with a major um, producer. Um, six different networks right now are bidding on it including an international network that wants whoever ends up buying the, buying the bid. uh, There's an international network that wants the international rights and uh, that is in the works. And uh, right now the smart money says uh, they're going to start, we're going to start taping somewhere uh, late first quarter, early second quarter next year. Um, uh, The goofy thing about it is with the history channels coming out with the project blue book, um, Semenkis is producing it. And uh, director Zamenkis is the guy who did Back to the Future movies, that type of thing. And uh, it's going to be really good. And uh, the deal there is that I knew about this production operation because Zamenkis announced he was going to do Blue Book the same week our book came out. So this
1: is turning Dr. J. Allen Hynek into an action hero. And
2: essentially, yeah. I saw the previews. I got that impression. It's well, I, the one I'm seeing is he's sort of an action hero and it's sort of like um Chris because most of it's set in the fifties and sixties, it, it kind of has that um what was that that program about the um about the advertising firm? You know, uh, everybody was smoking. I can't remember what it was. Was that but, Mad uh, Men? Mad, Mad Men, yes. And uh, it's a UFO version of Mad Men. I, I'm 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 hoping it's not, but uh but the bottom line is this. I've known about the the Project Blue Book, because in April, May timeframe of 2017, right after our book came out, uh, I had a couple of producers come here to Syracuse, sit us down over, uh, over dinner and talk about trying to buy the rights to our book. And I had eight different producers reach out to us and it got down to two serious ones and one of them signed us and then sat on it and didn't do anything. Nothing for a year. And the option expired. And then recently, uh, about five months ago, uh, a different producer came to us who had seen a Fox News article that was quoting my column. Okay, And uh, he called me up and we talked and uh, I proposed to him uh, something very different. Everybody who's pitching all these UFO shows and the networks are hungry for it. Networks are hungry for this topic because they know there's going to be a feeding frenzy for this kind of stuff, ancient aliens and UFO investigation shows and all that kind of stuff. When this John Allen Hynek Project Blue Book thing comes out January 8th and in the follow-up time after after the series, I proposed to this producer, I said, I have 21st century information, not the same old stuff of a crash here or crash there back in the 40s, 50s and 70s.
1: Let's go in further into that. What you have available for producers. More to come with Gene, Randall, and
10: Cheryl. You're in the Paracast.
1: Once again, folks, special thanks to Shudder for supporting the Paracast. You know, Shudder is a premium streaming video service from AMC Networks featuring a great collection of thrillers, horrors and suspense. Shudder has the largest, fastest growing human curated section of thrilling and dangerous entertainment. They provide unlimited Add free access on all your favorite devices for only $4.99 a month or $49.99 a year. A unique library of exclusive and original films and series, horror classics, blockbuster hits. They're updated every week to keep the selection fresh. Here's one of my favorites, 31 from Rob Zombie. How about that? Okay, check it out. Try Shudder free for 30 days by visiting shudder.com. And using the promo code Paracast, that's S-H-U-D-D-E-R.com, use the promo code. Paracast.
4: Heart-related health problems affect millions of people each year. Maybe you're one of the many who suffer from issues related to angina pain, high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, or clogged arteries. There is a solution that doesn't involve expensive prescription drugs that only mask the problem and leave you with horrible side effects. If you are ready to live your life free of sickness, pain, and fear, live your life with increased vitality, energy, and youthfulness, and experience your body healing itself, then you're ready for heart and body extract from Healthy Hearts Club. Here is what one satisfied customer had to say about heart and body extract regarding his angina pain. I haven't had
6: an angina pain since I've been on it. The heart and body extract is just so great. I thank God that I was led to this product that's doing so much for me and that can do so much for other people. Call
4: to order your two-month supply of heart and body extract today. Call 1-866-295-5305 or go to HB Extract.
12: Hear that? That's the sound of a house being trashed while a gang of thieves ransack the place what they don't steal will be destroyed. This year,
13: resolve not to be the next victim of a break-in. Go to faketv.com and discover a device that creates the illusion someone inside is watching TV, even when you're miles away. Security is a mindset, and Fake TV should be part of your security solution. Be vigilant, but not fearful. Faketv.com.
0: We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Paracast, send it to news at theparacast.com. That's news at theparacast.com. And don't forget to visit our famous Paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com.
1: So there, we're getting into the nitty gritty here. You're pitching this to Hollywood. I have not been happy about the reality shows covering UFOs or ancient astronauts or anything else because of the constraints of reality TV. I am skeptical of the project blue book show. We'll see, but Robert Semeckis does
2: good projects. We'll see. So go ahead. Well, okay. What I propose, a couple things happened back this past February. We have a thing. Uh, our cable system here is spectrum. Uh, cable, and the news organization's charter cable, and I pitched very heavily to their cable uh, news director. I said, I'm going to give you a unique opportunity here. I'm doing a big presentation over at the Liverpool Library. It's just north of Syracuse, and we're expecting a huge crowd, and uh, here's the New York Times article about me. I sent them over a copy of the book, and I said, would you guys cover it? Not only did they cover it, they sent a reporter up here to the apartment, and we sat here in the apartment and talked, and then they sent two crews to cover this, the, the uh, presentation. We had 125 people at that at that presentation at the library, and it was, it was almost standing room only. I figured it'd run one day of the news cycle. It ran 11 o'clock news, and they were running it the next day. But they got so many hits on their website for the four or five-minute story. We were coming in the Martin Luther King Day weekend, and they scheduled that piece fifty-five on the hour all weekend long during Martin Luther King Day weekend, holiday weekend essentially. I got over a hundred phone calls at the house, but blew me away. I was expecting somebody calling me up, "Hey, you're a nutcase." You know? No, it was people calling me up. I saw you on television. I know you'll understand. I had this sighting last year, two years ago, five years ago, 10, 20, 30, 60 years ago in one case. that all these people sincerely wanted to do was get it off their chest. And I told the producer, I said, I was UFO mother confessor for the weekend. We came up with the idea of going to small places where they've had some unusual stuff going on from sightings. And I've got the forensics here in my database to show you where all these were hotspots have been not major population hotspots, but little rural towns that have had unusual hot spots maybe for a month or a week, a couple of years ago, something like this. And the idea is rent the VFW hall, rent the local church, rent the local fire hall, go in there, do a big presentation, advertise the heck out of it. And then because we got a film crew in there, it acts like a casting call. And myself and whoever the co-hosts of this thing are going to be are going to sit down like mother confessor with the cameras and these people sign a release and they're going to tell us we're going to have grassroots disclosure mom pa america telling us about their ufo setting way back when
10: i was just wondering how you were going to reinsert the drama back in to this uh rather dry otherwise set of statistics and that sounds absolutely fabulous I mean, if it if it goes over
2: The goofy thing that the networks have been jumping on and liking very much uh, was the idea of the data entry for one nobody up until now has pitched them anything coming from a scientific and from a data standpoint two since we compiled the database i've developed algorithms where i can do forensic analysis very quickly and you pick a shape you pick a uh, i can i can get it down and show you where they were over the last 17 years i can show break that further down to what months they were where the hot spots in time were and i can break it down to uh, a locality a county a city whatever and uh, uh that's the kind of resolution i can give you and so the the particular producer has worked with forensic analysts to, to that do like it's like these cop shows where they uh where they do forensic analysts and say hey these are the patterns we analyzed we found that there was a serial killer here in, in over four states that nobody knew about you know that kind of thing and he liked that and that's how he pitched it he says imagine you before forensics, and it sold. So right now, there's a they're in a bidding and buying process right now, and we'll see where it goes. I don't know the networks, but uh, I I know there's six of them plus an international network that's deeply interested in this because it stands out as something very different.
10: Did you work the QFOS database into yours as well? I don't know what that is. Uh, they've got the UFO cat. Probably something you should check out. Okay, so back to what we were just touching on before that, then. So, you've you got all of this information uh, about places and dates and sort of a type of sighting. And from that, you're able to extrapolate out different kinds of information from that, that you were suggesting from the algorithm. So, I, I mean, I'm imagining you could get, say, flaps in different particular areas like you're saying in small towns that sort of thing what other kind of information can you extrapolate out from that okay again like i said don't be
2: seduced by numbers
10: all right well you're the one that was saying that you've got these algorithms that do that so i'm just wondering what they are
2: okay well well like one give you one example what i've been writing about lately um i wrote one of the first articles out there about a year ago over the past year that ufo sightings have fallen off rather steeply
10: this year, over right, the last yeah. years. I okay. was looking at that article, the decline in UFO sightings continues. And I was just about to ask you that. So sure, by all means, continue. Okay, so they've been falling off,
2: okay? But it's been falling off for two and a half to three years. Fine. Again, that's why I tell people, okay, big deal. But I report it. And of course, everybody and their brother emails me or comments on the column, oh, it's because of this. Excuse the expression, I have had hundreds of mansplainers tell me why we don't know why we don't know why with the whole, the whole phenomena of UFOs, but we're just measuring a trend. Now, what I did was in our algorithms, I started looking at the smaller stuff. I said, is everybody declining? Are all shapes declining of 27 individual shapes of UFOs over 17 years? Yeah. All but three shapes are in decline. Now those three shapes are sitting down here almost below the radar 20 or 30 sightings for the entire country per year and then about 5 years ago they started ramping up okay i'll say it this way saturn shaped ships like the guys uh, those japan airline guys encountered back in uh, in the mid 80s okay those things are half a mile wide they're huge well consider that maybe that's like a bay ship a mothership and then the next ship down is dropped, and it's about the size of a school bus, a little bit bigger than a school bus or an 18-wheeler. Maybe that's a shuttle. And then there's these other little ships that are egg-shaped. I published that last, uh, and my last column was the egg-shaped ship, and that looks to be like a little two-seater or one-man operation. And those are the three shapes that are on the increase, but they're almost below the radar. The egg shape, there's like 1,200 sightings or something like that over the last 17 years. Very little. The Saturn shapes are even smaller than that, okay. But the deal is, is there's these low flyers hiding out there in the in the data that nobody was seeing because everybody gets seduced by the big numbers. Oh wow, this they had all of these triangle sightings, and what I, one of the things I did uh, in an article some time back is I said let's forget the cigar shapes anything that could be even loosely extrapolated to a misidentification of an aircraft a a traditional aircraft i even dropped the triangles out because i you wouldn't believe how much hate mail i get that says oh triangles are just the tr3b i'll tell you what let's break it there
1: we have sharon costa gene steinberg j randall murphy you're in the
10: paracast
15: You may need this herbal tea for relief right away, so write this down, drmillersclinic.com. If you take meds, then suffer stomach distress, constipation, indigestion, acid reflux, and bloating, and nothing else helps, get Dr. Miller's Holy Tea or Super Holy Tea, a cleansing, detoxifying herbal tea now available at great rates direct from Dr. Miller's office. Call or click 888-660-7039 or drmillersclinic.com.
20: Silver has always been nature's very own antibiotic, and only one system allows you to produce an endless supply of nano-sized silver solutions right from the convenience of your home. Silver Lungs. With the addition of our unique lung delivery system, respiratory infections are targeted directly, where traditional oral administration simply cannot reach. This pioneering method also preserves the original particle sizes and delivers your silver solution directly into the bloodstream. See the Silver Lungs generator and lung delivery system at silverlungs.com. That's silverlungs.com.
14: USA Radio News. President Trump made an unannounced visit to Arlington National Cemetery on Saturday. The president visited the cemetery during an annual event in which Christmas wreaths are laid to honor the sacrifices made by veterans and their families. For now, Obamacare is the lay of the land, although the future is a bit murky regarding the Affordable Care Act. As a federal judge in Texas ruled that the law is unconstitutional, as far as the one we could expect any changes, Jesse Weber is a health attorney. He joined CBS this morning.
2: I would say everybody in 2019 is probably OK, yeah. because the appeals process takes some time. Yes, they can try to fast track it through the appeals court and then try to fast track it through the Supreme Court because it's such a big issue. But I've tried this. I've seen this happen before. I'd be more concerned for people who are trying to think about in the future what they're going to do.
14: President Trump announced on Twitter that Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke will be leaving by the end of this year. And you're listening to USA Radio News.
20: the team can help you legally exit your timeshare contract. They've helped thousands of people and they're A plus rated with a BBB. So if you feel scammed, get mad and get out of your expensive timeshare
15: contract right now, guaranteed. Call NOW 800 586 7112. 800 586 7112. 800 586 7112. That's 800 586 7112.
21: Hi, I'm Dr. Bill Deagle, MD, a -A 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 4 m of Nutramedical.com and a consultant providing email advice free on advanced protocols for your optimized wellness and advanced technologies to heal and regenerate you. You can contact us at Nutramedical.com, that's N-U-T-R-I-Medical.com or 888-212-8871. You get free email starter protocols of our top medical-grade nutraceuticals, initial testing, and recommendations for your own primary doctor to do, as well as recommendations to give you an idea of a consultation and a full protocol to try to help you regenerate your tissues, heal naturally without the use of toxic polypharmacy. I can send test kits to you as well anywhere in the world and provide you recommendations to referral of specialty clinics worldwide. So contact me, Dr. Bill Deagle, at Nutramedical.com that's NUTRImedical.com or
9: 888-212-8871. Hi, this is Bryce Abel. I'm the producer of Dark Skies, the co-author of AD After Disclosure, and you are listening to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: Well, of course, it's common to explain away UFO sightings. We know, of course, that at the end of the day, it wasn't 90 or 95% of the sightings reported are conventional. It's just that residue
2: that drives us all nuts. Well, Linda took a different approach to this. Okay. And sometime you might want to have Linda on because, like I said, she's the, the scientific brains behind it thing. And she approaches this very differently than I do.
10: Okay. So, uh, you were telling us then about there's this residue of cases where you have a particular shape that's been sort of uh, below hidden in the noise, so to speak, that you're able to uh, tease out with the numbers.
2: Well, okay, um, Doc Vallee made a comment that like 80% are noise, okay, uh, or just or something else, and about 20% are the interesting ones. Uh, we took a different approach to analyzing it. Uh, Linda has a saying in fact, we had it written on a wall on a big, big piece of paper taped on the wall she said the uh, diversity is in the shapes. So, we eliminated from all the like 25 or 30 different shapes, we eliminated anything that could easily be misidentified as a, as a conventional aircraft or a fighter, you know, a B 1 bomber or something like that, or B 2. Okay. We took them out. So, we took triangles out because, like I said, I got hate mail about saying, hey, it's a TR 3B. I said, okay, fine. I don't believe it's really a UFO. I have seen one. It's two stories deep and a football field long. Yes, I saw one back in 2012 uh but i'm willing to write that out it was back engineered uh alien technology i'll i'll buy that for now so we cut it back down to circles squares some really exotic stuff and they ended up being 30% of the sightings well that's starting to get into that 80 20 70 30 area there isn't it okay and then when i started looking at these exotic shapes there was considerably less of them and we started seeing very small patterns hidden down there in the, the of the of the low numbers. You know, I had some people from um, uh, a particular group on Facebook say to me, oh, what good's that? It's only 2,100 sightings or barely 130 sightings a year. Eh, that's not anything interesting. But they showed a pattern.
10: Right, was, over time it adds up and it, it can show you something fairly significant.
2: Yes, and those were the ones that actually, I'll, the that five to six, seven year pattern where it goes humpy 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 and it goes up and goes down goes up and goes down and uh that was telling that was very telling okay so we're talking about the three shapes that are increasing so we got the egg shapes we got the teardrop shape which is bigger and then we've got like a mothership the Saturn shapes and guess what they went the Saturn shapes went from uh five or ten 15 a year to in the last Three, four years, they have shot up to a several hundred for the for the year. So, but the
10: overall sightings are going down. So, what does this suggest then? <laughs> All right, uh, let's
2: uh, let's use a great line from Men in Black. Um, the, you know, what's that line they use? Uh, the the last guy, the last guy to get out, is stuck with a check. You know, it looks like everybody bailed out because these other folks are coming in. That that's that's mm-hmm. that's an easily extrapolate. If we want to take like the science fiction approach, you know, maybe everybody bailed out because we got these other people showing up. Maybe they're going to be our official first con- our official first contact. Who knows? Maybe it's like Alien Nation. They're coming. They're they're refugees from someplace. Who knows? Uh, but something's going on with uh, a new shape. And I remember what Lou Alessandro told us. I interviewed him back in February of this year and I had a couple mini interviews with him at the MUFON symposium back in July. Two things came out of it. it. When he was standing up there in front of us at the big dinner party thing, he said, we're going to have a very different conversation this time next year about UFOs. Okay. Something's coming. Something's up. Okay. The other thing I took him aside at one point, we were having a cup of coffee and I said, I know about your su- security oats i have the same kind of thing from the stuff i did in the navy i understand i'm not going to go there but can i ask you one question without specifics he says what's that and i said you had the authority to look at all the stuff the government been doing with ufos he says, yes i did i said were you able to pick open some of those compartmented groups and look at them all he says yeah i did and i said was it interesting his face this guy is very stoic. I don't know you, the pictures you see of him. You know, looks like he needs a case of prune juice. You know, uh, he lit up like a kid on Christmas morning. You saw a sparkle in his eyes. First time I'd ever seen this with this guy. Okay, he said, "Yeah, it 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 changes you." Was there any you couldn't look at? And he says, "Yeah, the government's got a really bad filing system, and if people didn't classify it right, we couldn't find it in the archives." But for for the most part, they had most information and he's seen most everything the government's done since the 1940s.
10: Interesting. So so this article about the decline then, it actually, it's interesting how your articles kind of link together. That links right into the other one that you've got here on the diversity in UFO statistics. The truth is in the shapes. Yes. Very interesting. Something you might be interested in to know about uh with respect to i I just had just mentioned the qfos database is that uh one of our forum members uh who was on the after the paracast last week dejan kurovic he was uh mentioning how mark rodiger there went through the database and correlated all of the incidents where ufos had been uh known to cause automobiles to stall or some sort of electrical interference, yep. and then plotted those against distances. And it turned out that it fit very, very closely with the inverse square law, which, if you know how that works, it's how EM radiation propagates over distance. And that lends real credibility to the idea that some sort of genuine physical phenomena was taking place. So that's how powerful that these databases can be in looking at, the, at uh, different kinds of data. Yeah, uh, the
2: thing people sometimes get upset about was just numbers. I've had people take the book and come back months later with something that they analyze specifically for like their state or something like this. And maybe sometimes they'll come back to me and say, "Hey, can you take a look at this thing for this state at this time and give me a readout?" And I've told people in the book, in the FAQ in the book. Uh, we told them, you know, if you're a researcher and you need we need a special run for a spe- I'm not going to do the whole country for you. But if you're doing researching like a particular state or a particular county and you want a specific run done, email us. Here's the email address, and I'll I'll run it for you. You know, and um, and I had a couple of requests, and like right now, back in the 2015 book, we could drill down across the country, every state, down to the county level. Okay. Um, I have the ability right now to drill down to the city level. Okay. I'll give you an example, Arizona. Okay. Back in 2001 to 2015, we had 121,437, uh, reported sightings. Okay. Now yet there's some, that number fluctuates a little bit because, you know, sometimes the, the, there was corrupt data, things like this, but that's pretty good. Close number. California was number one, Florida was number two, Texas is number three, Washington State was number four, Pennsylvania number five, New York State number six, Arizona was number seven. Okay, now Arizona had 4,743 sightings. That number is solid. When we published the book, Maricopa County, we published Maricopa County of having, that's where you guys are, uh, of having uh, 2019
1: uh, sightings. Just okay. to make it clarify, I'm in Mesa, Arizona, Maricopa County. As you say, UFO Central. But Randall is in Calgary, Canada.
2: I can't help you there. Okay. I, <laughs> I, I there's, a, another, there's a guy up there in Canada you want to talk to, not me. We already talked to him, Chris uh, so, Rutkowski. Chris Rutkowski is just a, that's a great guest. right. There you go. And a great
1: friend. Cheryl Costa joining us writes for the Syracuse New Times. And a fabulous UFO book. We have Gene Randall and Cheryl, you're in. The
10: Paracast.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Be sure to visit GCNlive.com today.
20: Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today and save $10 on the Bug Beam Laser Combo only at BugAssault.com.
12: Water is the single most important thing your body needs, so you want to be sure it's the purest for you and your family. For over 14 years, thousands have depended on Berkey Clean Water. The Berkey guy has you covered at home, work, and on the go. With water filtration systems of every size, for every budget. Now GCN listeners receive 10% off ceramic filter systems using code GCN at goberkey.com or call 877-886-3653. goberkey.com.
4: Trading involves financial risk It is not suitable for all investors.
5: Marijuana has unleashed a green gold rush across our nation. It's creating $10.8 billion in new wealth a year. And every day, it's transforming more and more Americans into millionaires. Former Speaker of the House John Boehner reveals how you could become one of them. Join him online for the American Cannabis Summit. Attendance is 100% free, but space is limited. Join online at www.acs2018.com. John Boehner and an esteemed panel will reveal which cannabis stocks are primed to deliver life-changing windfalls. Plus, they will show you how to become a cannabis angel investor, backing the hottest startups before they potentially become worth billions of dollars. To join
6: the American Cannabis Summit, visit ACS2018.com or text JOIN to 76280. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Text JOIN to 76280.
17: Text JOIN to 76280 now.
12: This is Jacques Vallée. You're listening to the podcast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: Some people have theorized here, Cheryl, that the UFOs left us a long time ago and all the sightings now can be explained conventionally. What do you think? I think that's baloney.
2: I really do. Um, I really do think it's baloney. You know, remember we were talking about take a calculator against 120,000, 21,000 and say 20 against 20 percent that 20 percent that, that is is pretty valid and then the top people say it's down in a very small number okay uh even project blue book only looked at twelve thousand sightings during the period of project blue book and there were 700 that remained uh unexplained and that's falling down in that 20 percent, so to speak um okay i was telling you about maricopa in our book we said there was 2019 sightings in maricopa what we found out literally after the thing went to press we found out that 400 people spelled Phoenix instead of P-H-O-E-N-I-X, they spelled it P-H-E-O-N-I-X, and we had 437 or something like that that didn't count up. We've since changed it, so Maricopa's numbers are more like 2530 for that 15-year period. Maricopa is unique in the fact that it's the number, there's over 3,000 counties in the United States. It's like 3,200, something like that, okay? Um, and I say that fluctuate because they're always merging counties or adding new counties. Uh, the, so that number kind of floats a little bit. But Maricopa County is the number two county for UFO sightings in the United States. second only to Los Angeles which is a unique thing.
10: Right. We had Preston Dennett on, and he was talking about the settings off the coast of California, a very active area for sure. Los
2: Angeles um, is number one. Well, let me give you a, give you a perspective. Um, Maricopa County has more sightings than 40 of the individual states by themselves. Just the County of Maricopa.
10: What's going on there? uh, Have you been able to figure out anything? No. no, What are they so interested in or what is the reason for that many? Or is it just because more people are looking up? Is it the weather or? Well,
2: okay. uh, You cut to the chase. Okay. Let me give you Los Angeles, similar phenomena. We think they've got more sightings than 36 individual states. Okay. Los Angeles has had sightings up and down the canyons there since the 1880s, and of course they had the Battle of LA in February 1942. So we think there's this generational thing of Grandpa told us about the Battle of LA and da 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 da. You know, maybe if we look up, we'll see something special. And we think with Phoenix Lights, we think since that was what March of uh, 2019 uh, 97. We think there's a generational thing there, too, that people looked up, saw this massive thing in the sky. And actually, there was a lot more things going on from what I understand. There was stuff all over the uh, all over the area there. And the stories got around some but parents and grandparents told their kids and grandkids. And they took the attitude of I'll hook up too. And we think that that is some of people, more people looking up has an impact. Now, one thing we've discovered when we were compiling the data from the book, there is a latitude difference in the sightings. If you're up in a state like New York State or Pennsylvania or New England or any state across the country up around that same latitude, the sightings are a quiescent amount of sightings from January, February, March, April. May starts to tick up. June ticks up more. July, August are through the rough. And then it starts ticking back down September, and then November, December, are uh, October, November, December are down there at that quiescent. Almost a stable level. Those are the dog walkers and smokers. Those are the people who are out there day in, day out, year round. Okay. And MUFON investigators will tell you that in a heartbeat. Okay. And then, of course, most people used to tell me when I talked about New York being July and August, September, oh, yeah. Well, that's the summertime, Cheryl. Duh. You know, well, we didn't know that. And I made that assumption because people were telling me, duh. And Cheryl, it's just summertime. We thought it was that way everywhere. And then one day when we were compiling the book, Linda looks over her terminal at me and says, did you notice there's a latitude difference? I said, what are you talking about? She says, go down to the middle level states. That peak in July August, uh, July, August, September starts flattening out. When you get down to the deep south states, Florida, Alabama, uh, Mississippi, Texas, uh, not so much Texas, but Texas, and all the way out to like Arizona, um, the statistical numbers there year to year. Or month to month are statistically flat. It looks like a picket fence. And there's little peaks here and there, but for the most part, it's statistically flat. So we came up with uh, temperate weather, leisure time, and uh, temperate weather, leisure time are the two biggest drivers.
10: Okay. okay, so there's, it's not like the aliens are more interested in those areas necessarily. It's just that more people happen to see them. But the data kind of suggests that there's a uniformity across the board if we were to take weather as a factor into account and compensate. Okay, this is new data that we've done within the past
2: year. Okay, um, we cranked the data by hour of day. This was a very difficult thing to do. Uh, we had to build an algorithm for doing it and interpreting the data this way. Uh, 60 to 70% of the sightings for any particular place happen between 5 o'clock at night and 1130 at night. The peak of that happens between 8 and 1130. Okay, that's the peak of it. I mean, 60% of the sightings are in that window of time. And it's right when
10: it gets dark before people go to bed.
2: Yeah, as that's that's as as uh, Dr. Spear he he cranked the data for me because I uh, this some of this was outside of my my skills, and it seems to be bedtime. Okay, now the other thirty percent were over the hours from one o'clock in the morning right up until about four thirty in the afternoon. There is a dip, but even with the smaller numbers, there's a dip during morning drive time between seven and nine o'clock in the morning. It just fall, falls almost in the dirt. Okay, now something we did and this is we've only done it for four states because it was very very time consuming um do you know what sidereal time is sidereal time is
10: yeah right it's what astronomers use
2: exactly it's the actual rotation of the earth time it's a it's right. a 20 a 23 hour 56 minute day uh not 24 hours don't round it up it's 23 hours 56 minutes right so so Something that's in the sky over me today, right now, will be right now above me four minutes earlier tomorrow and the day after that, four minutes earlier than that. So it's, it's constantly creeping across the, when it is. Well, I asked Dr. Spear, I said, Gordon, hey, what if there's a specific time that UFOs are seen on seridial time? Now, if this was all kooks and nuts, it should have been statistically flat okay well it turned out there was a specific time it's uh uh six, three, six o'clock six thirty sidereal time that is when the galaxy is directly
10: overhead in the morning you're talking about no oh at night no six remember, o'clock remember it's, uh, it's sidereal
2: time it's constantly moving so like in the right. winter uh, the galaxy's overhead, maybe in the early morning hours. You know, uh, uh, later in the summer, it's a different time of day. That's why, uh, actually, you usually see the galaxy overhead in the winter, right? Like right after Christmas, you go outside, uh, clear night sky, in the uh, uh, middle of the winter, and uh, yeah, a gazillion stars in the sky. That's when it's there. It, it, but that the issue is, is the galaxy is overhead four minutes earlier tomorrow and four minutes earlier there 30 minutes a week from now it's 30 minutes earlier than it was today so it's a moving target and it should the 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 numbers shouldn't have peaked at that time uh one of the theories that was proposed and linda suggested this maybe there's a portal and the only time we see that ships coming out of that portal You know, is when the galaxy is overhead and it's coming like from the center of the galaxy or something, you know, that was about the only answer anybody could come up with. But the one point that, that Gordon figured out was it's at this particular sidereal time and it's when the galaxy is directly overhead. Interesting.
1: And we'll do a break now before it gets too interesting and we can't even keep up with it. The excitement never ends in the Paracast, and we're exploring down and dirty details of UFO sightings and what they may mean and the consistencies and the patterns that really, by and large, not been discussed that much as before. Got Cheryl, Jean, and Randall. You're in the
10: Paracast. <laughs>
3: Stuff for women, stuff for men. We have all sorts of sizes, like small up to X large. A lot of good stuff. That's the swag from the PowerCast. You go to store.thepowercast.com, stop by, and take a shopping tour.
20: Message and data rates may apply. Please don't text while driving.
22: If you've been in business more than 20 minutes, you've probably printed your logo on all kinds of promotional products. We all know logos work because they're on everything from the top of skyscrapers to the bottom of shoes. Ever wondered why or how to best use your logo to grow your business? Let us show you today for free. We're 4imprint, promotional product experts at your service. We're giving away the latest issue of Amplify, the digital magazine that reveals promotional product success stories absolutely free to everyone who texts UP77 to 88988. At 4imprint, we make your logo look perfect on thousands of promotional items. With our 100% guarantee, it'll be right the first time, on time, every time. Your free e-magazine will reveal invaluable insights that can attract new customers, build your brand, and grow your business. Get the latest issue of Amplify absolutely free by texting UP77 to 88988. That's UP77 to 88988.
0: Welcome back to the Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio. And now, here's Jane Steinberg.
1: What I like here is that you've made this immense effort here to understand the patterns. Because in the old days, we talk about ley lines and we talk also about possible seven year cycles and all that sort of
2: thing. Yep. You bring up ley lines. I got a guy who. Uh, He's considered like the New England expert on this stuff. And I asked him if he could share me a map of uh, New York state ley lines. And he was really hesitant to, but he he finally relented. And he said, well, send me the information. I said, it's not that easy. I can't overlay it. If you give me a map, I can do an overlay. So he did. And we have a, a huge amount of sightings along the New York State Thruway. Well, one of the major ley lines are right along the, main, the New York State Thruway. And that particular ley line terminates right around Syracuse. And guess what? The Onondaga County area, which is Syracuse, is number eight in the state for sightings. And oh, by the way, two or three of the other ley lines all terminate up around Buffalo. And guess what? The, they're, they're like number four. You know, there is something to this ley line stuff. Again, it, you know, when I tried to research it, there's very few people that have a really serious handle on it. The two guys I talked to shared me similar information, and we did an overlap ma- uh, map and found that there was some consistencies. Now, is that proof? No, but it, we, we found it in an interesting consistency. Hmm. Interesting. One of the things that happens here in New York State is everybody raves about the long, the um, uh, uh, Hudson Valley area. Okay. Uh, We have a festival here. We really don't have a UFO uh, uh, conference, a big one here in New York state, but the closest thing we've got to it is a, a street festival conference down in Pine Bush, New York down in Ulster County. And I spoke there last year. In fact, they've invited me back this year. I'm very fortunate to have that opportunity. The waitresses in Pine Bush, the little place, will tell you in the diner, oh, yeah, Pine Bush is the capital of UFOs in New York State. And that's a good PR hook. But the reality is, um, no, they're not. Ulster County's about 16 counties down on the list for top sightings. And the ground zero in New York State is Suffolk County, Long Island followed by Manhattan in New York. And we don't do New York as one city. We do New York by the counties, the boroughs, okay? And then the second or the third important county was again on Long Island in Nassau County. So that's the, the ground zero here. I have had a couple of reporters reach out to me and say, can you give me a, a city breakdown like Suffolk County or Nassau? And I did. I generated them. They wrote some nice stories about the, about the statistics of their local area. I wish I could get more, more reporters to do that. But um, it's been kind of fun to, to break down that kind of data.
1: At the end of the day, though, Does this signify some kind of plan on the part of the forces behind the UFOs to appear in certain places at given points of
2: time? A couple of years ago, there was a guy out in Colorado, and he had a video camera that he could do like a uh, high speed, kind of a high speed time, uh, time, uh, what do they call it? Time lapse. Okay. And he discovered that Certain times of the day, almost like a scheduled event, there was like a, a UFO landing in the city of, I think it was Denver. Okay, and uh, a TV station went out and did set their camera up very similar it's a this high-speed time-lapse kind of thing, and they got similar results. And boy, it got real quiet shortly after that. And I'm of the belief that we are a destination. And there's scheduled regular flights here. You know, I've come to that conclusion. Our heaviest population sightings and things like this, for the most part, on a very gross scale, major population areas are, are where the sightings are. Okay, fine. Now, people say, Cheryl, is it because there's lots of people there? And I said, no, it might be because there's lots of people there and the aliens like to watch the people. Or there's lots of people there and more people there to see the aliens when they're there. Okay, it's one or the other, or both.
10: Well, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. But uh, so your assumption then at this particular point then sounds like you're with the interstellar hypothesis, because uh, I don't think we're they're coming from another planet in our solar system. So we're, we're dealing with the ETH and specifically interstellar, by the sound of it.
2: I tell people in my presentations
10: now, I I put a slide in my PowerPoint presentation.
2: I said, we don't know. One of the first questions reporters asked me, well, where are they from? You know, and I don't know. But I said, they might be from (laughs) another... Okay, let's use the multiverse. They might be from another universe. They might be from another galaxy. They might be from another solar system in our galaxy. Heck, if you get the Blue Planet, download the Blue Planet Project and read that, they say there's uh seven spacefaring races in our sector of our galaxy and a total of about 60 in the rest of the galaxy that are spacefaring so if you believe the blue planet project okay and i'm not i'm not standing up and saying that, that it's accurate but it's an interesting theory especially when you you look at some of the sightings we have i don't know if we're a destination or not But somebody's interested in us. And if you go back, let's take the ancient aliens issue. And I just put this up in the article I posted a day before yesterday. People say, well, why are they here? Well, I says, well, there seems to be somebody defending this primitive little planet from aggressors. Uh, Look in uh, 1561, April 1561 in Nuremberg, Germany. Five years later, Basel, Switzerland. Two different weeks that they had like a Star Wars battle going over top of the city. Somebody's been protecting us from aggressors. Now, maybe that scene, what I call the nanny ET, has been protecting us from ourselves. We started blowing off nukes back in the 40s. Perhaps they looked at it and say, wow, this primitive warlike culture that we've been nurturing uh, has got a pack of nuclear matches here. This is not good. So back in the uh, 60s, 70s, and 80s, They've been, read the book there, uh, UFOs and Nukes. They were shutting down our missile silos out in Montana and things like this. And and they found out later after the Soviet Union went out of business, they found out it was happening in in the Soviet Union as well. So somebody's playing nanny with us.
10: Nanny ETs, I call them. Right. Backing up to the issue where you were talking about sidereal time and relative astronomical motion, that's what led me to uh assume that you were coming to the conclusion that they must be or probably coming from space um just no i didn't you never, were dealing
2: with i never committed that
10: okay yeah just it was just kind of implied with the uh, sidereal time were you talking about when you were saying six o'clock was that the local sidereal time or off the prime meridian
2: no it was local sidereal time okay which is just, what's creeping creeping you know it's continuously moving That's an important thing to look at. Uh, Am I saying they're all coming in from another dimension? Hey, I I said they might be from another planet. They might be from another galaxy. uh, They might be from another universe. They may be temporal, you know, time travelers.
10: Right. I'm just wondering what the rotation of the Earth would have to do with some craft that was making interstellar distances. I mean, they wouldn't, I don't think they could really time things that well. It it almost suggests maybe something else, doesn't it?
2: Well, that's, that's what Linda came up with. She chewed on this for a while and she came back and says, maybe they got a equivalent to a Stargate out there that uh, is the portal that they, they leap. You know, I have all these physics and uh, physics professors call me, oh, they can't get here from there. It's too many miles. You know, and I said, how do you know they're not, you know, jumping into subspace and just winking, winking out winking one place and winking in someplace else, you know? Uh supposedly the Palladians, uh, they used to, supposedly, it took about uh, uh, three days for them to go back there 500 light years to wherever they're from out there in the Pleiades. Nowadays, they say they can do, they can do it uh, in 24 hours. They can do those jumps in 24 hours. So if you believe the literature, okay, uh, we, look, Columbus took three months to get here. Magellan took over a year to go around the planet. Our space station goes around every 45 minutes. I mean, we know things now that our ancestors did not know how to do. Okay. And uh so they know they may they, they probably know something we don't know in physics. We've there's, got, there's got a break here. Go ahead.
1: We're gonna have three more segments with Cheryl and Gene and Randall. You're in the
10: paracast. <laughs>
4: trading involves financial risk it is not suitable for all investors
5: marijuana has unleashed a green gold rush across our nation it's creating 10.8 billion dollars in new wealth a year and every day it's transforming more and more americans into millionaires former speaker of the house john boehner reveals how you could become one of them join him online for the american cannabis summit attendance is 100 free but space is limited join online at www.acs2018.com John Boehner and an esteemed panel will reveal which cannabis stocks are primed to deliver life-changing windfalls. Plus, they will show you how to become a cannabis angel investor, backing the hottest startups before they potentially become worth billions of dollars.
6: To join the American Cannabis Summit, visit ACS2018.com or text JOIN to 76280. Don't miss this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Text JOIN to 76280. Text JOIN to
12: 76280 now.
4: Pain in my neck, back, and shoulders has really gotten worse.
16: Relief for body pain is here with Sunny Bay Heating Pads. Well, the last thing I want is to take another pill. So, what's so good about Sunny Bay Heating Pads?
13: Sunny Bay Heating Pads, made by Biomed DB Design right here in the USA, come in all sizes. Our extra large microwavable heating pad for back pain is designed to be large enough to cover your entire back. It's also perfect to wrap around your legs, knees, or
9: shoulder and neck. But I need to know they're good quality.
13: Of course, Sunny Bay. Bay heating pads and pillows are often an Amazon choice and it's easy and most affordable when you purchase your Sunny Bay heating pads right from our website, sunshinepillows.com or call us 253-678-1361. Hey, a Sunny Bay heating pad would
4: make a great gift, right?
13: Yes, and they start at just 19 and free shipping is available. So call 253-678-1361 or shop for your Sunny Bay
12: heating pad at sunshinepillows.com.
0: we'd like to hear from you if you have a comment or question about the paracast send it to news at the paracast.com that's news at the paracast.com and don't forget to visit our famous paracast community forums at forum.theparacast.com
1: talking about traveling here from another star system warp
10: drive warp seven well That's really interesting. Let's just carry on with that a little bit, because when you're extrapolating out probabilities, it seems like the exact rotation of the Earth down to the minute wouldn't really apply to somebody that was coming in uh, under, say, what we would consider normal propulsion somehow. They would have to literally almost pop into our vicinity uh, instantaneously, and that's what sort of leads to this idea of a stargate or maybe some sort of trans universal conduit or who knows exactly what's your favorite. I mean, we don't know it there, but what's your favorite theory on where they come from? Mine.
11: Oh,
2: yeah. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, all right. I lived in a Buddhist monastery for seven years. Okay. Hence the term, my, my Skype name, Yogi Tashi. Okay. I lived in a Buddhist monastery was ordained, Buddhist monastic. These days I'm a yogi. Okay. The deal is, is the universe is teeming with life. Okay. That's how we approach it. And this is the monk talking, so to speak. And the universe is teeming with life. Some of it has been around a lot longer than our culture has been around. Some of it may have been around longer than our solar system's been in existence. We don't know. But Bottom line, they say our galaxy, uh, our galaxies, our, our universe is like 14, 15 billion years old. Our solar systems, our, our world's only been around 4 billion years. So somebody may have gotten, uh, gotten more advanced technologies and such. Um, I think half the reason we if we don't have a secret space force that already has all this technology and as a taxpayer, I object to the secret technology of a space force like they were promoting at the MUFON convention year before last. Okay, as a taxpayer, why did the Pentagon lose nine million, nine trillion dollars or something like that when they're taking away meals on wheels and that type of thing? Um, That's my attitude.
10: Well, they're getting a real space force, uh, apparently. They've had it.
2: I wrote an article about it. They've had it since the '60s. It may have only been missiles and some satellites. They were they were recovering recovering with uh, airplanes from a parachute. It, they made reentry, but there's always been a military presence there. Usually, if nothing else, for surveillance.
10: Okay? Absolutely, and, and like, why would they they actually have? You know, spaceships out there like battle cruisers. And why would they need a new space force? And why would Trump even bother if they already had that out
2: there? Well, it's not Trump. That's what I put in my article. Um, Actually, the true story on this is this is the journalist talking. Um, There was a consortium of congressional representatives in the Senate and the House that had been listening to the Air Force. Remember back in the 40s, we had the Army, and then uh, because we had airplanes, we had the Army Air Corps during World War II, okay? In 1948... They decided to break off the uh, the aviation aspect, keep a little bit of it for the Army, but for the most part, uh, it was going to break off and be a separate a branch of the military, and hence we have the United States Air Force, okay? Well, the Air Force has been carrying a great deal of the space technology stuff as well, and it's become burdensome from a budgetary and promotional aspect to that kind of thing. Uh, so the congressmen were, were making a decision along with the best experts in the Air force to split off the duties they've already had a space force we're just looking at forming a separate branch of the u.s military that deals only with the space stuff and one that deals only with aviation now why do we want to deal with the space stuff? The night late night comedians are making all these what i'm going to call pop 1950s jokes of marines running out there in space suits with, with laser guns and all this kind of stuff no We've got a lot of communication satellites and other kinds of satellites up there that are used on a day-to-day basis for everything from internet, the phone call, the TV, um, uh, just data transmission, earth surveying satellites, all that kind of stuff. Okay, Imagine a very bad actor like, say, North Korea sells somebody a missile that's got the ability to get up very high and has the ability with a small nuke, you put a small nuke in the right position up, uh, up in the sky, and that the EMP from that nuke could take out a major swath of communication satellites. Okay, suddenly, phones gone, TV networks are gone, data transmission, uh, internet is gone. Okay, we could literally be in the 1960s in under 20 minutes. Okay?
10: That might be a little harder than it sounds because there's it it wouldn't be quite that simple but it's anyhow I, i just let's just go with it and say okay so the point being
2: the point being is we the reason the united states navy was formed and established in 1795 was because we had mercantile ships especially in, uh, around the africa uh, mediterranean and the west coast of africa being um captured by pirates and people being held for ransom and the and the uh, merchant cargoes were being stolen uh, stolen okay they formed the navy to put a stop to that okay let's put a stop to that whole thing that's what space force is about we've got a lot of commercial real estate up there and a lot of money invested in satellite technology up there and they are taking a position of taking the duties that the Air Force was doing and establishing one clear mission to protect those assets. It's always been about money. Follow the money.
10: Great. Well, I mean, they've got already Air Force Space Command, which probably a lot of people don't know about. So, I mean, what are they doing going to merge that with this new Space Force?
2: Because be, Space it'll, it'll, Command
10: is has got a lot of people in it already, right? It's got yes, over 38,000 people in 88 locations worldwide. It'll probably, it's huge. It'll
2: probably, it'll probably be broken off in, and put strictly into Space Force.
10: Interesting. So, um, okay. So... I'm not sure where we were going with all of that, except for to say that, you know, why would we need to do that if they've already got all these space cruisers about, you know, the, the secret, the super secret conspiracy space force where there's actually starships up there already and we're making trips to Mars. I mean, you don't believe that, do you? I'm holding out
2: some judgment on this. Um, I think, okay, potentially, I don't really think we do. Okay because of certain nasa research that was being worked on about 5 years ago i don't know if uh, see i'm going to get i'm going to get uh, assassinated for saying this
10: <laughs> hey don't all worry right. about it i get flack all the time people all so right. okay. i'll probably yeah. get it just just for suggesting we don't have it and then right. and that it's nonsense but uh, i i have seen i have I'll take seen that burden off your shoulders i have seen footage
2: of really good footage of ufo's a lot of us have okay some of them, when they decide to, and some of the footage that we see, when they decide to wink out or move, and they sometimes go from like one spot in the sky, and then they wink out and they appear over here in another spot in the sky, we've all seen footage like that. All right. Well, I used to be a video editor a long time ago in my, my, my industrial filmmaking career, and video editors have a tendency to be able to see down at the frame rate you, you get so used to being able to see things at the frame rate it's 60 frames a second okay and uh, uh so it's 60 fields a second it's 30 frames a second and i'll you tell can, you why just, we'll get into
1: the explanation of video editing in a moment with cheryl jean and randall you're in the
10: pericast <laughs>
14: U.S.A. Radio News. President Trump is happy about a federal court ruling that declared Obamacare unconstitutional.
7: Great ruling for our country. We'll be able to get great health care. We'll sit down with the Democrats, with the Supreme Court upholds. We'll be uh, sitting down with the Democrats, and we will get great health care for our people. That's a repeal and replace handled a little bit differently, but it was a big, big victory by a highly respected judge.
14: The ruling came from a Texas judge who ruled that the individual mandate under the Affordable Care Act is unconstitutional, thereby invalidating the whole law. President Trump tweeted that Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke will be leaving his job at the end of the year. Trump tweeted that Ryan has accomplished much during his nearly two years on the job, and he wanted to thank him for his service to our nation. And the college bowl season kicked off on Saturday with North Carolina A&T defeating Elkhorn State. You're listening to USA Radio News.
4: your eligibility, and to learn how to use your private insurance or Medicare to minimize your out-of-pocket cost. Don't wait. If the deadline passes, you may lose your opportunity to get a pain-relieving back, neck, knee, or wrist brace at little or no cost to you.
15: 800-296-1261. 800-296-1261. 296 1261 That's 800-296-1261.
23: Hey, everyone. Proactive MD has an incredible offer for our radio listeners only. Stay tuned for our exclusive offer that includes a free charcoal pore cleansing brush and free shipping. Proactive MD with prescription strength Adapalene can heal and prevent future breakouts. Today, for just $19.95, we're offering listeners the three-piece Proactive MD system with free shipping, plus a free gift, the new charcoal pore cleansing brush. Get this exclusive offer by calling now, 1-800-583-8662, or go to proactive.com and enter promo code RADIO. You heard right. Proactive MD plus free shipping and a free gift. The new charcoal pore cleansing brush. You'll get all this for just $19.95. And their 60-day money-back guarantee. You're guaranteed to get clear and stay clear or you get your money back. Call now. 1-800-583-8662. That's 1-800-583-8662. Or go to Proactive.com and enter promo code RADIO. Again, go to Proactive.com and enter promo code RADIO.
0: This is Micah Hanks of The Gray Alien 4, and you're listening to The Paracast, the gold standard of paranormal radio.
1: So, Cheryl, you were talking about something that we kind of sort of know when it comes to video editing
2: about frame rates, at least those of us who've done some of it. Okay. So what happened was I was watching a piece of footage. This was back in the early nineties. I was watching a piece of footage on a VHS tape and I saw a momentary change in the illumination across the whole screen. Kind of like what you see um, if like you're watching your television back when you're on an antenna and there was a thunderstorm a distance away. Sometimes the illumination rate, the illumination of the, the old black and white television would kind of kind of brighten up after a big flash. You know, in the, in the thing, it was an electronic thing.
10: Interesting. And okay.
2: so what I did was I took that videotape into the editing lab and I slowed it down and watched it frame by frame. And I noted that there was a, a two frame, four field, two frame that lit up. And it wasn't just a flash from the, the thing we were looking at. It was like an overall illumination change across the entire picture. but it was only for these you know uh, two thirtieths of a second, okay. Most people wouldn't see a thing like that. As a producer, I was used to people putting in things like um, uh, subliminals and things. So I, I'm used to looking at subtleties in the, in the video and, and in film for that matter. And I saw this, and I saw this consistently on a number of, of, of videotape shootings of, uh, of uh, video of UFOs. Well, okay, I kind of put it in my back pocket and thought about it for a while and said, maybe they're kicking in their field there just before the thing shoots off. There's a great piece of video that has been taken from one of the space shuttles. And of course, NASA said, oh, it's just ice crystals, you know right? But you watch this thing, there's this UFO moving around out there, and suddenly it stops, and then it takes off. And if you look at the frame, you see something that looks like a particle beam weapon coming up from the surface of the Earth, if you watch that framing. This was real space shuttle footage. And when I first saw that, I saw that illumination hit. And I went. I got a piece of that video, and I went back in the lab, and I looked at it, and it was that same two-frame image. Hit of of energy, and I said, "My God, that was the real thing."
10: The real thing, meaning like, uh, are you suggesting that there was some sort of Star Wars weaponry being directed at these things, or what's going on? No, no, no. What what are you suggesting there? What what's the the real thing?
2: The flash is an indicate they were kicking in their drive. Okay, and every time I've ever seen that flash on video or film, it's just before the UFO either winks out or shoots off in another direction at tremendous speed okay okay and i've had i've had people come to me and argue with me on the internet and i'm sick of talking to them about it okay i know what i've seen i know what i've analyzed and i've looked at a lot of footage where this signature is there
10: and, right. and is it, that's not something that someone could put in as a hoax if they wanted to put in these because I mean, I'm sure we've all seen a lot of hoaxes as well. Do you see that same flash in the hoaxed videos? No, really? Yeah. And that's the
2: that's the clue right there to me, you know, but there's a lot of other telltales in the hoax videos, you know, but I think the bottom line with this iridescence, a couple of years ago, I was reading in popular mechanics or popular science. Uh, there was a particular scientist in the, the there was one of the feature stories was will we soon have warp drive, okay? And this is about five years ago, and there was a particular scientist down in uh, at NASA that had set up an experiment. Do, do you remember in physics in high school uh, in high school or college that if you put light through a, a, a like a one millimeter slit, you get these bars shadow right. bars on a thing. double slit
10: experiment? Sure,
2: exactly. Okay. Well, okay. Um, the argument in some of this stuff is that, you know, you add two slits there. Suddenly the bars change. Okay, well, what's interfering with the light to get through there? Well, it's being interfered with other light. Uh, uh, other light in other universes is one of the theories instead of the, the 19th century explanation of shadow zones, you know, that type of thing. Um, and it, it's being interfered from uh, other universes in the multiverse.
10: The right. Light. There's the pilot wave theory as well.
2: and Exactly. You know, and I'm a ham radio operator. I understand the pilot wave theory very well, but the bottom line is uh, this scientist at NASA was setting up an experiment where he had two very large coils. They were big around as a car tire. Okay. And he had these huge capacitors and he was going to shine. He worked on designing the experiment for almost a year. And it basically was going to be shooting a a beam of light through there. And when they hit the electron hit the, the, the energy burst on those two coils, he expected to see a change in the, um, uh, the physics field like you would see in the slit in a slit experiment okay and i've never heard what results he had but that would explain that that burst of energy is what you would expect that i saw in these pieces of film footage they kicked in something they hit some kind of a field and bomb bang they were gone so i tend to think There's something to this, but I don't think we have the warp drive yet. Unless, of course, like they say at NASA, NASA's been the civilian face of this thing, and maybe the military has had it for years. We don't know.
10: Well, I know that the UFO I saw back in the 70s did very much what you described before it took off. It came straight up from the ground, and it got very, very bright. I saw that this was a daylight sighting now, or actually early morning, but you could see uh, the ground and you could make out colors at this point and it got very, very bright. And then it just shot in. I mean, no gradual acceleration, just like it was coming out of a cannon barrel and it yep. was gone down the valley in the time it takes you to snap your fingers, Thank leaving you. a streak of light behind it. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's just a, an artifact of human vision or if the camera it would have picked that up or not.
2: I think it is an artifact of human vision. I really do. I want to throw Um, a left field question out
1: here before we disappear.
2: Anything. Okay. Anything. Okay. I'll ask anything.
1: (laughs) Abductions. Do you think they're connected with UFOs or what?
2: There's levels of abductions. I've talked to a lot of experiencers and the physical, I'll give you a quick example. Uh, I went to an IUFO, uh, international UFO Congress uh, back, 2014 2015 i had press credentials so i wasn't allowed to go into the experiencers meeting they do in the morning kind of like an aa meeting for experiencers and uh i second year i went there i asked for permission to be there i promised i would not tell stories i would not out anybody and they said okay fine i said i just want to come and learn I had been a victim of all the shows we see on TV, where somebody got probed and they took their eggs and whatever. Okay, and I I went in there expecting to meet thirty-five people, so crying in their coffee that they got probed. Okay, I get in there. There's 175 people in there, and this thing's got the energy. This meeting's got the energy of a tent revival, and everybody is up. We met some incredible beings. Okay, and it was a very mind-changing event for me. Um, Some people I do believe have been touched by the extraterrestrials or the interdimensional or whatever you want to call them. But I'm leaning towards a vast majority of them are being psychically probed. And I think the CE5 people would agree with me that there's a a psychic probing into our consciousness during dream time or or a transcendental state. I truly believe that 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 is very prominent in a lot of the experiences people are having
10: interesting how like how would that work or is this what uh you know some people describe it as uh, they're receiving these uh quote scare quote downloads from the aliens yep
2: okay um okay uh, let's take it this way um there's a particular type of ufo called the changing form okay it it changes And it's been driving researchers like Jacques Vallée nuts for years. We're talking here about the
1: shape-shifting UFOs and more. Final segment with Cheryl and Gene and Randall. You're in
10: The Paracast.
11: Thank you for listening to GCN. Visit GCNlive.com today.
20: Want revenge on the common housefly? Well, after 10,000 years, someone has finally come up with a better way. The Bug Assault, a miniaturized shotgun, which utilizes ordinary table salt as ammunition. Non-toxic and no batteries required. So much fun, you'll forget you have a wife and kids. Makes the perfect stocking stuffer. Get your Bug Assault today and save $10 on the Bug Beam Laser Combo only at BugAssault.com.
23: hey this is marie d jones the author of this book is from the future and you are listening to the paracast the gold standard of paranormal radio
1: gosh this has flown by so fast what were you saying cheryl about
2: this type of craft well okay uh, give you an example uh jacques valet was talking on Costa um, coast to coast up, uh, about two months ago and he said that, they, that these things were confounding the researchers they go out there with radar and low uh, low light scopes and all this kind of stuff and they couldn't get a consistent measurement on these things okay they seem to change and they seem to be sensitive to the mental thoughts of the researchers, which is okay again here's the Buddhist monk talking um, does these very advanced ships from who knows where are they do they have an AI capability that can t- telepathically you know imprint into us? All the people out there who have seen certain kinds of grays have a mem- a screen memory of either a bat or a bird? OK, and they, what they've done is psychically tapped into our archetypes in our brain and project that. So you take that another step further and say, you know, maybe they're tapping into us at a telepathic psychic level. And uh, I am in the camp with other of the CE5 people that consciousness is the answer to this whole model.
10: In what way? How is it relevant? Exactly. It's, I mean, consciousness it, is relevant it, for everything. Forget so about does-
2: the nuts and bolts. Forget about the nuts and bolts. Consciousness is where this at. If we want to make contact with the, with, the, with the ETs, and I'm not talking like the secret government contacts. If we as a culture want to make contact with them, we need to be opening our heart and in inviting them. And this is the monk talking. This is about consciousness. You know, the biggest challenge to our consciousness right now are these phones we carry around in our hand. I know a local college here has been trying to have a meditation class and you can't get the kids to turn their phone off or put them on mute and stick them in their purse or something like that. Oh, they can't be disconnected for a minute. And it's distracting.
10: In one of your articles, it says close encounters with UFOs are getting harder to find. I mean, you know, maybe they're flying around again. Oh, damn. You know, they're on their cell phone again. You know, Nick's that one.
2: I've seen political cartoons like that where you see the aliens are literally on the front lawn of the white house and everybody's walking around looking at their phone.
10: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect.
2: But the, this consciousness thing is a big deal. The CE5 people have had some incredibly good results with what they're doing. And I've written several articles about since I came from a monastery experience saying, okay, CE5 people, here's some recommendations for your meditations before you do your psychic uh, invite to the off-worlders. You know? This is what I would recommend as a monk. You know, uh, Don't eat these kinds of foods on the night that you're doing it, this kind of thing.
10: That's all really great. I I just wish that the aliens would tell us something we don't already know or haven't figured out ourselves that is verifiable. That would be fine. Psychic communication, okay, let's actually prove that it's taking place by having some sort of verifiable information. We don't need the nuts and bolts, just give us something we don't know. Let's not give it, you know, let's not give us something trivial or something trite. And that seems like all we're getting from them so far. We've got nothing substantial. But, you know, the thing is, except for a few centers of research, a parapsychology,
2: the psychic areas, okay, are treated with a very, very low brow look by modern science. They're well, it's so-
10: because they don't provide any useful information.
2: Well, I'm sorry about that. I'm sorry. I taught remote viewing classes for 20 years. We've harvested amazing amounts of information. And the deal is, you can't try to bring in a classically trained scientist or engineer, and you can't get them to do the first remote viewing because they're better busy sitting here trying to analyze how it works instead of just enjoying the ride.
10: You know. Well, you can analyze how it works after the fact by comparing the information gained to the actual situation that Agreed, exists. But, but but they they won't. I, we have tried. I, you give me a
2: room full of musicians and artists, and I can have them up and operational in a day. You bring the engineers; it takes you two weeks. I've talked to other instructors that have said the same thing.
10: All I'm saying is that if it was verifiable, it wouldn't be that hard to do, and then you would actually have the attention of those people. The problem is, is it all is based on statistical probability and interpretation. You know, say like in the movie Contact, where there, a signal comes in, eh. and they're able to take that apart, build a machine, and go to another star system using that technology that was built. I mean, if we had something like that, then people would say, well, yeah, you're on to something. That's, That's nuts and bolts. Have you had anybody on? For, uh, it like, wouldn't have, have you- to be nuts and bolts. It could be anything. It'd be something else. you say, okay, well, fine. Then, of course, you've got to build something. Otherwise, if people are just going to say, well... You know, it's a wonderful place on planet Xenu because everybody there wishes everybody well all the time. So what? It doesn't tell us anything. You know what I'm saying? Have you had any of the major remote viewing guys on your paranormal show? guy
2: like Paul Smith?
10: I've heard enough of them and read enough about it that, you know, there's simply not that much there.
2: There's a lot there. There is a lot there.
10: I'll give you one example. Yeah, a one lot of my, vague stuff that, <laughs> you know, it's statistically interesting.
2: You've never done it. You have uh, never done it. You, obviously you have never done it. Okay. And you should see the look in people's eyes after I showed them the target card, usually a photograph or something like that for an elementary class. They light up like a Christmas tree because suddenly they're looking at their data that they've been writing down. And my God, I was there, but all through the whole session, they're saying, I can't do this. You know, there is well, there's a
10: anybody lot. can do it just like you can. anybody can read tarot cards. I've done that and other things and and there it's interesting, but and anyhow, I think that's maybe we're getting off track there a little bit. There was one thing I wanted to cover before the end of the show because we're fast approaching there. You wrote another article, uh UFO and Paranormal Conferences. Are they obsolete? And of course, we get a lot of controversy about the conferences. Are they doing any good? Is it all for the tinfoil hat-wearing believers, artists, and other people who are trying to sell their wares? Where do you think we're going with conferences? Okay, there are some conferences that are really, truly about the information
2: and want to have good speakers come there and give a good presentation. There are some of the really, really big conferences that only seem to bring on the television personalities. That should tell you a lot. I've been to a number of these conferences where you went in the vendor's room and it was a lot of snake oil. There's others that are willing to look at the thing a little carefully. There's going to be a new conference in Laughlin, Nevada come March. It's called UFO Megacon. It's a week long. It's going to be big. They got like I think almost 30 or 40 speakers and they are really trying to cut out some of this dog and pony show with all the TV stars.
10: I like the sound of that and having the uh, admission and in, included in your hotel. That's uh, progressive. I think you had mentioned at one point in, if I'm remembering your article correctly, that it was Mufon actually gave a free admission for one of their conferences for a day just to get people interested. That's the direction it's taking.
2: The idea behind that was, and i am gonna make this real short, the idea behind it was we had had December 16th last year. All the groups on Facebook have had a tremendous punch in, in uh, membership. So we had a lot of newbies looking for UFO 101, that type of thing. So they taught a track on that one day. Uh, actually, it was isolated to a different part of the hotel, but they had a track of like a, essentially UFO 101 kind of thing in those kinds of presentations. It, it went over very well.
10: For the new people coming in, uh, where would you suggest that they go to to get a good introduction into ufology?
2: My recommendation is find their local MUFON chapter, and if the if the chapter has um, a a yearly or a monthly presentation, start attending those. Start rubbing shoulders with people and seeing what people. These a lot of these groups have really good speakers come in.
1: Thank you very much. We're going to remind you, folks, that you can find more about the things we do at the Paracast on Twitter, two Paracast fan clubs, and don't forget the Paracast Plus, which is a special subscription service where we give you a version of this show with better quality audio, free of network ads. And we also give you the After the Paracast podcast, which sometimes includes a continuation of this show. All this and more for a low price beginning at just $1.49 a week. $1.49 a week, $4.99 a month. Free stuff for five-year and lifetime subscriptions. For more information, go to plus.theparacast.com, plus.theparacast.com. Cheryl, thank you for joining us on The Paracast.
2: Thank you.
0: The Paracast.